0: Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Now, what is it? It's Advent. Isn't that good? Are <coughs> oh, you all excited? Really on edge? Really can't wait. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) This is the definition of Advent. I'm sure it came from the Anglican Church. Advent is a season of the liturgical year, observed in most Christian denominations as a time of expectant waiting and preparation for the celebration of the Nativity of Christ at Christmas. Expectant waiting. Are you expectantly waiting? Do you still get that kind of "oh, I want to go and feel the present under the tree"? Who does that? Oh, some of you. <laughs> yeah, I guess as you get older, and you know, it's a pair of socks. It doesn't quite have the same. <laughs> doesn't have the quite the same pull, does it? That. Uh, you were when a ch- When you were a child, and uh, yeah, I can remember getting that stocking with my tangerine and a piece of coal. <laughs> we was poor in those days, but we was honest. <laughs> Expectations. Are you looking forward expectantly to that day when all your friends and relatives turn up, families reunite, come together. And we all build up this expectation, don't we? Perfect families sitting round the table having that perfect meal. And of course then reality sets in (laughs) And sometimes we can really build up expectations that lead to disappointment. But one thing that never, ever disappoints is that we celebrate the coming of Jesus. We celebrate the coming of the Messiah, the saviour of the world. He came to fulfil promises that have been made over centuries down the years. Long years of waiting ended with the birth of the baby Jesus. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. It's also a time for preparation and it's a busy time. Have you got it all wrapped up? Well, apparently we haven't yet, but <laughs> we're hoping that we will do. Lots of things to do, isn't there? Busy time, lots of lists to make, food to buy, presents. Now, I'm just going to dive away from the sermon for a moment, just to have a little kind of, yeah, just, you know, grandfatherly advice. Because I'm a grandfather. As you prepare for Christmas, sit yourself down. Make a list of all the things that you'd like to do, presents to buy, food, and all that kind of stuff, parties you might want to go to, and and all those kind of things. And then put a sum of money against all of those things. This is called a budget. And it's very, very helpful to do that, because when you tot up what the cost of this Advent season is, it can be terrifying. And I just want to give you some, just some friendly advice to say, you know what, it's okay to say no. I can't do that. I can't afford that. I can't do that this year. I'm really going to have to cut back. And be honest with people and say, you know what, gas bill's just come in, can't do it. Or whatever it is that's challenging your finances. We had to come back, and that's okay. Just share that with everybody and say, sorry, this year we're kind of trimming in the sails a bit. And that's all right, isn't it? You got that? You happy with that? Yeah, it's good advice. It's time to get the decorations out. I was going to talk about trees, but evidently we're bringing them all here. <laughs> so it's time for trees, and it's time for mistletoe and wine, and I could go into the Cliff Richards, but I won't. There are cars to write or group emails to send. <laughs> oh, it's keely warm in here, isn't it? Oh. A lot of effort goes into Advent. And you know what? We could really lose sight of what this season is all about. What it is that we're celebrating. It's not about the food on the table. It's not about the Christmas tree. It's not about the presents. It's about the great present that God gave us in the form of Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to have an interesting... At our last home group meeting, or small group meeting, we were doing a study on the different types of prayer. And that subject that day was the intercessory prayer of Jesus in John 17. And he prays about being glorified, he also prays for his disciples, and those who will become disciples, that's you and me. And you know what, I don't know if you've had the experience, but you kind of, sometimes you come across a passage of Scripture that you haven't read for some time. And as you're reading it, something really jumps out of you and thinks, wow, what's that? And Jesus makes this incredible statement, I have given them the glory that you gave me. In other scriptures, it says God doesn't share his glory with anyone. Well, that's all changed. His glory is given to you and to me. Do you feel glorious? (coughs) Do you kind of resonate with this, what Jesus is saying here? Do you think, oh yeah, every morning I get up and I feel glorious. I put on my makeup and I feel glorious. Or whatever it is you do. It's an amazing statement. And I was just so passionate about that when we were in our home group, because I'm thinking wow, we should just experience and know what this glory is all about. Well, glory has many aspects. And we have this glory as a means of unity. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you see this glory in other Christians? Do you see it there in the people sitting around you? You see, we've been studying James and... James is very hot on not judging. And can you now see why? You see, when we judge one another, we diminish the glory. We're less glorious when we make our judgment. We can disagree with each other without diminishing the glory. We can put unity and love above being right i have this amazing picture of what a church in perfect unity would look like it would be so glorious the people would be shining out with the glory of jesus that actually everybody around would be stunned i think kind of riverside my prayer is and what i see is i think we're heading in that direction few days later, I was doing my devotional and the writer made this statement. He said, part of the glory of God is his character. And I thought, what does describe God's character? And I thought of the fruits of the Spirit. And I thought, yeah, God is love and God is joy and God is peace and God is patient and he's kind and he's good and he's faithful and he's gentle and he's always in control. That glory that he rests on us is that character that he's building in us. For all the things that go on in our lives, the way that God shapes us is about shaping our character so that we become more like him. And I want to encourage you, when you see one of these characteristics in somebody, applaud it, call it out, encourage it, and say to that person, wow, that was really loving, that was really kind, that was really good. I admire your patience. At the checkout till, just as Simon was mentioning last week. So look for that love and joy and peace. Look for that kindness. And of course, if you see the opposite, then actually gently pull people, let's pull one another up and encourage us to be more like Jesus, to be more like the Father and the Holy Spirit. So you say, what's it got to do with Advent, Chris? Well, part of the glory of God is in his character. He's faithful. He's trustworthy. He's a promise keeper. And we're going to look at some of the promises that God made over centuries that led to the coming of the king, King Jesus. There are many prophecies in the Bible. They are promises that God made about how his story will unfold and impact the lives of everyone. You see, there was always a plan to save the world. The Bible story is about how that unfolds. And like all God's story, it starts well, in a beautiful garden with perfection. And then it all goes horribly, horribly, horribly wrong. And an enemy appears and wreaks havoc and destruction. And through this story, there are struggles, glimpses of how things should be, blessings and good times, followed by disobedience and rebellion. Those who God wants to save just seem to resist him time and time again. But God is faithful. He's a promise keeper. He's trustworthy. And what he starts, he finishes. Now, the prophecies in the Bible are promises promises that someday a hero will come and put things right. And do you know what? If you look around, um, you read literature, you read stories, you look at films, you even listen to music, there's this theme that runs through. There's this constant reference to good and evil, the baddies and the goodies and the heroes and the villains. And some of the heroes are amazing heroes, and some of the heroes are flawed heroes. But there are heroes in the stories that we read. Now, Who's your favourite hero? You can answer if you wish. Do you have a hero in a story, in a film? Sorry? Yeah. Right. Thor? Somebody said Thor, yeah. Whoa, wow. (laughs) Sam Ganji, I like that. Yeah, Lord of Rings, one of my favourites up there in the all-time greats. Wow, okay. Thank you very much for that. You've got book heroes, you've got real-life heroes, you've got people who do amazing things. You've got the quiet heroes. People just get on with things in the background, but every day they're doing something heroic. Not always recognised it for it. One of my heroes is uh, Harry Potter. Now, I understand that could be controversial. When, when, when it's quite funny, when Harry Potter first came out, I had a number of people come to me because I'm pastor of the church. They said, oh, this is evil. We shouldn't allow this in the church. So I'm thinking, oh, that's interesting. Have you read the books? Oh, no. <laughs> really? Okay. So you've kind of made a judgment without reading the books." So I thought, well, I'll make it my job to read the books and clearly, J.K. Rowling stole the Christian story. And we'll come on to that a bit more as we go through. A hero is going to come. A hero is going to come. And it's going to be God in human form. The king is going to come back to reestablish his kingdom on the earth. Power and authority is going to be regained. God's will is going to be done in his kingdom, which is coming and coming and coming. And he's going to do that will, and that kingdom's going to advance through something called the church. That's a bit miraculous, isn't it? Because it's full of flawed people. But God says, nevertheless, I'm going to use you to extend my kingdom. And, of course, the kingdom advances and God does his work, not only through the church, but in many other ways as well. And as we see, the story is still unfolding. Jesus came. He came to lay down his life for the sins of the world. Now, he's departed for a time. So some of the promises are yet to be fulfilled because Jesus is coming again. And Advent is a time for expectation, and preparation, looking back at the birth of Jesus, but also looking forward to his coming again. You and I are invited into this story. We can become characters in this story, characters through whom God will work out and he will work through us to keep the promises that he's made. Now that's exciting, isn't it? Are you excited? really oh, doesn't show on your face <laughs> Ah. so we have limited time in fact time's running away from me right we're going to look at a few prophecies and promises that God made in the Old Testament and because of time we can't anywhere near do this justice so the very first promise about what's going to happen is, comes immediately after Adam and Eve break the one rule you need to read the story in Genesis about God sets them up in a perfect place, gives them one rule, just one rule, don't do that, and guess what? And I know there are some people in the room that if you say to them, don't do that, the first thing they want to do is go and do that. Who's like that in this room? Yeah, I know there's some people around here like that. Don't walk on the grass. Oh, you've walked on the grass. So this is the promise that God made I'll put enmity between you and the woman between your offspring and hers and he's talking about the serpent but the serpent is a representation of the evil that is Satan he will crush your head and you will strike his heel there's going to be a reckoning, evil is going to be dealt with there's going to be a final battle, a final outcome evil will be destroyed but there will be a cost The hero will be wounded, but it won't be fatal. Jesus came to destroy all the works of the evil one. He came to crush it in all its form. And he uses us to do that by the power of the Spirit as the kingdom advances. Part of God's plan was to work through people down the ages. People like Abraham, Moses, David, Elijah, and Mary, to name but a few. But in Hebrews 11, we read, Oh, sorry, Genesis 12, we read this promise that God makes to Abraham. And it's an amazing promise. It's far-reaching. It it spans time and people. All families on the earth are going to be blessed through this man, through the descendants of this man, through the great, great, and many, many more great, great, great grandsons whose name is Jesus, who will be the Lamb of God, who will take upon himself the sins of the whole world. See, God is trustworthy and faithful. He is a promise keeper. And this will happen when a child is born. The child will be the Son of God, conceived not by man but by the Holy Spirit. Child conceived by a virgin to be the Savior, Jesus, our Savior, God in human form. And he shall be called Emmanuel which means God with us. God as one of us. God identifying with us. God experiencing life as we experience it, with all its turmoils, its ups and downs, its temptations. And yet he's able to face those and resist all temptation and remain sinless. The innocence of a baby is carried into adulthood. As God, he alone can pay the price for our sins. See, God is faithful. He's a promise keeper. And all those promises he made down the years come to fruition. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And this child will be the most amazing child ever. He will be king, come to seize back the kingdom from the evil one. And his rule will prevail. His counsel will bring justice and mercy to the world. He is the bringer of peace, love and joy. And this has been accomplished in and through Jesus. He comes to restore all things. And I was really thrilled by some of the references in the worship to the themes that are in the word and the sermon today. From a Jewish perspective, there was a very narrow view of the Messiah. For them, it was about let's get rid of the Roman occupation. But God's plan was somewhat bigger. It transcended one nation, it encompassed the whole world and all people for all times. Jesus came so that all the families on the earth would be blessed. And when Jesus came, he was God and King, he was the hero. In the story, he was the one that was going to set the prisoner free. He was the one that was going to come and pay for sin and set things right forever. He was a servant king. Jesus said, "I've, I've not come to be served, I've come to serve. He came in humility. Though he was God, he left all that grandeur and that glory of God to take on human form. And what we see in these words here is just one aspect of who Jesus is. Isaiah 53 is another prophecy, another promise. It shows Jesus in a completely different guise. There's no pomp or majesty, just a servant of God willing to fulfill God's plan. God's story being fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. And this story involves suffering. And all good stories, as Sam Ganji would say, involve suffering and struggle. And who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before us like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. But surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We are like sheep that have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and like a sheep before his shearers he is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life, and he will be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servants will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he has poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sins of many and made in succession for the transgressors. You know, we celebrate the coming of that wonderful, lovely baby. But that baby was destined to grow up to be the sacrifice for you and for me. It was always part of God's plan for Jesus to die on the cross. It was no accident. And Jesus took upon himself the wrongdoing, and he went to that cross willingly for you and for me. Such was the love of God for you and for me, that he was prepared to suffer and to die for us. And it's a profound truth that God, in the form of Jesus, took upon himself our punishment. Only God could do this. No person, no matter how noble or good, will be able to bear such a burden. It's a mystery as to how this was achieved. Yet the message of the good news, the gospel, is that through Jesus we now have been made right with God. We can have access to him again. Our relationship has been restored. And we are now different. We can be transformed. We can be made new. We become children of God. We join in his family. And that is who we are. That's what happens when we put Jesus at the centre of our lives. We hand over control to him. We move from the driving seat to the passenger seat. Now, anybody who knows me hate, knows I hate to be driven. Partly because I get car sick, but I just have this thing. I have to be in control. Probably a bit of control freaker in me, I suspect. But we need, when we invite Jesus into our lives, to move into the passenger seat and let him take the will. I could tell you he's an excellent driver. He's passed the advanced driving test. So he knows how to drive. He knows the best route through life. Now, he doesn't sit there and promise you a smooth and comfy ride. It will get bumpy along the way. And at times, it might seem that the road has disappeared. But keep trusting, because he will bring you safe home. Because he knows the way. The right way to go and to live. Note the contrast between unto us a child is born, (laughs) unto us a son is given, and all the glorious statements about him being the Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father, and God with this promise about how he was going to die for our sins. Now, Jesus knew he had the authority to lay down his life, but he also knew he had the authority to take it up again. Now, I said Harry Potter was part of my favourite hero, but part of it, the reason it came to be one of my favourite heroes is... Now, is anybody anybody reading Harry Potter at the moment? Because, spoiler alert, I'm about to tell you how it ends. (laughs) So don't listen. Part of what happens to Harry when he's a child is... The evil person tries to kill him, but part of the evil person gets transported into Harry. So in order for evil to die, Harry has to die. And therefore, he gives up his life for his friends because without him dying, evil cannot die. So we're going to look at what happens next. Whoa! could watch that all day, couldn't you? The allure of evil. Put your trust in me. That's what happened in the garden. Oh, doesn't matter if you break that rule. God isn't going to kill you. But evil is defeated. Evil has been overcome. In that prophecy and that promise in Isaiah, he will see... The light of life. Jesus was never going to stay dead. Death could not overcome him. We read this For the joy set before him, he scorned the shame, endured the cross, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. You know, this is. Jesus, this is the child that was promised. The glory of God is in his character. And I can't imagine how it must have felt to know that you're going to die for the sins of the world. But what I'm encouraged is Jesus for the joy set before him because Jesus is joy. Just as Jesus is love, and, and the amazing thing is that this is the story of God as it unfolds. This is the promises fulfilled. But these promises are extended to you and to me. And it's Jesus saying to us today, as you celebrate, as you wait expectantly, as you prepare for the nativity for my, to celebrate my coming, you are invited into this story you're invited to be one of the characters in this story billions of people around the world over time have entered into the story and pretty well most of them are not recorded in the bible and when we merge our story our everyday story our everyday little lives with his story then something amazing Happens. God's promises to the world begin to be worked out in and through us. We become promise bearers. We become promise fulfillers. Every act of love fulfills that promise. Every time we're a force for good against injustice, the promise is kept every time we do an act of kindness that moves people, that changes lives, then the promise is made good. Gentleness and peacefulness should be our mark. In a world full of anger and division and vileness, we should be the shining beacons of gentleness and peace because we want to build community that is based on love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and patience and self-control. We want to spread joy despite the circumstances that we might individually be going through. Life might be tough for us at the moment. It might be tough for you at the moment. But Jesus says, my joy is your strength. And just as I, for the joy that was set before me, I saw the other side. I saw you on the other side of my suffering. I saw you on the other side of my suffering. And that's why I went through it. Because I love you. And I love you so much, and I want you to join with me in being promise keepers in this world that desperately, desperately needs us to be God's promise keepers. He desperately needs us to show his glory, show his character to the world. And as we shine for him, as we reflect that character, we become agents of change for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father and prince of peace of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end he will reign on his father's on david's throne and over his kingdom and establish and upholding it with justice and righteousness From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You see, this promise has been given and God is faithful. He's a promise keeper. But you notice now that we don't have Jesus reigning in our presence on the throne. So this story, this promise is about one that has come and is yet to come. It's the promise that he will come again and wrap up all of history. Patiently. We wait for the king to be revealed in all his splendor and glory. And we know that we don't wait in vain because God is faithful and trustworthy. He's a promise keeper. One day he's coming to set things right, to renew all things. And then joy <coughs> will be complete. Love will have conquered all and peace on earth will reign and goodwill will be extended to all men do you want to be part of the promise be a promise keeper do you want to be part of delivering god's promise to the world then sign up sign up for the good deeds that you can do sign up for the kindness and the love that you can show sign up sign up to patience and self-control Let that character that is of God dwell richly in you and encourage it in one another. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at riverside.